We'll apologize now. Lynn said to kill the heat up here because it's awfully hot. I was just warning you all, if you do not repent, um, this is a preview. All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Bad joke. No, I will tell you a story as you're turning there. Um, two nights ago, well, three nights ago now, I had a dream. And I uh, had, and, and seriously, I'm not lying when I tell you this. I had a dream that I was sitting in my tree stand. You know, I was thinking about hunting. I guess I was getting my hunting stuff together that, that night prior to. And uh, I had four bears come to the bottom of my tree, and I only had three rounds in my rifle. And uh, I remember as they began to climb, I woke up. You know, thank God I woke up. Um, and then the night before opening night, so this was Friday night, Aubriana had a dream that I killed a bear. And uh, I don't know what the Lord is doing because, you know, when I read about Pharaoh, he had a dream and it came true. Um, so I, I don't know. But I do know that, you know, as I briefly mentioned, I looked back yesterday and I get behind this vehicle and I was so frustrated. And then whenever I get into my tree saying I had no idea that these prints were right below because I was rushing because I'm 45 minutes late and I'm frustrated because it snowed the night before, which is awesome if you're prepared for four inches of snow. They said flurries overnight, nothing big, four inches of snow. I didn't know if my Hyundai would make it all the way to Belgrade or not, um, which it did. But now I look back and I realize that that truck could have literally saved me from one, imprisonment for breaking the law and shooting a bear, two, being attacked, or who knows what. But, you know, isn't it weird sometimes that we go through something and we're so frustrated or we're so curious why it's happening the way that it is, and oftentimes it's not until afterwards that we were able to look back and see things that had to happen the way that they had to happen, and we gain perspective as to why it happened the way it did. And I use that just as a illustration because as I look over what transpired yesterday, my in-laws were behind me and, you know, they were, you know, they were frustrated too. And this vehicle's driving so slow and I get there and I'm flustered, but then I sit back and I realize, wow, this could have been a work of the Lord to keep me safe. Whether it was or not, I will never know. But there's a lot of times that you and I go through things that in the midst of it, we're curious. In the midst of it, we're questioning. In the midst of it, we're frustrated. In the midst of it, we could be playing right, you know, playing out uh, straight up mad at God for what's going on. We could lose friendships. And then we wonder why it's got to happen the way that it does. And then oftentimes, as I mentioned, it's after the fact. It's months down the road or it's years later that we look back and we realize that what we saw as trouble or what we saw as misery, God saw something completely different. So let's go to Jonah chapter 1 verse 17. And I use that as an illustration to prepare us for this great fish. I will not call it a whale because I do not want people to say I was misquoting the Bible. So please just go along with me here. Chapter 1 verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. All right, so he had been thrown off the side of the ship by these pagan mariners that came to exceedingly fear the Lord. So they believed that the Lord, our God, was truly the Lord and the only living God. As they called out to their gods and no one answered, but Jonah recognizes what was going on. And he reveals to them that it's on his behalf that all this is happening. So they throw him over the sea, into the sea, over the side of the boat. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow him up. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days Three nights. 
So as you, as you think of this, picture this, this is after the fact. Okay, Jonah's writing this after he has gone through all of this and he's preached, you know, and warned the people of the coming evil or the coming disaster that's coming. So, so this is a recollection of Jonah's experience. This is why the, this prayer that we read is so eloquent and it's so beautiful because there's probably things that Jonah thought in the belly of the whale that did not make this particular And I have, as we go through things, after we look back and kind of gather ourselves, it's almost like when you're parenting a, ch- a child, and when your emotions are to attend, and their emotions are to attend, there are times where you need to just kind of distance yourself, and then you can kind of come into it with a level head. And, and that happened in our household all morning. It was, it was like, okay, we're going to church to worship the Lord. Satan is really coming. And and there were times where I had to sit down, and, and I had to count to ten, and Michaela had to tag team in, and, and it was just that morning. But after the fact, you can come in with a level head. So here we are, where Jonah says, from the belly of the will, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. If you remember last week, we talked about distress being that moment in our lives where we literally find ourselves crying out to the Lord in order to receive the deliverance that it is that we need. So Jonah says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. Sheol is a reference to death or this near-death experience that Jonah had. For you cast me into the deep. Now he's, he's not blaming God, but he's, he's coming to the understanding that it was the Lord's will that he would be cast into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. It's come to this point in Jonah's life that he realized he's been driven away from God's sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. So you see Jonah crying out and he's got faith that God will save him. Even in the midst of drowning in the sea, he says, The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. Where are weeds at in the sea? At the bottom. And he goes on to say, at the roots of the mountains. Where are the roots of the mountains in the sea? At the bottom. This is Jonah literally at the bottom of the sea. And he is crying out to God. He is seeing the roots of the mountains below the water level. He is at literally rock bottom. He could not go any further down. He goes on to say, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope and steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. That was Jonah's cry. That was Jonah's prayer as he was literally dying and and fearing drowning. And then gets swallowed up by a fish. And then the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. So that's where I wanted to kind of pull from today. And we know the rest of the story. If you've ever read, or there's only two more chapters, you read that the word of the Lord came to Jonah again, and Jonah was recommissioned by the Lord. He went and he preached, and we'll discuss what happened over the next couple of weeks. But if you were to read on to Jonah, 
to the end of Jonah, you would find that the end of verse 9 kind of seems strange, that he's literally saying, salvation belongs to the Lord. And then as you read on more and more, you would see that Jonah would be miserable as he's ministering to these Ninevites. So he's praising Lord that the salvation comes from the Lord. And then he would be, it's almost like a kid as he's trying to sweet talk a parent to get what it is that they want. And uh, I'm just going to have to talk louder so we can tune that out. All right. <laughs> so if I get to yelling and stomping, it's because of trying to, t- trying to uh, offset here. But we see Jonah crying out to the Lord in this moment of distress, in this moment of trouble. And what I really want to do today is I want you and I to consider things that you and I go through that we could view one way, that God could view something completely different. See, it was in this midst of dying that Jonah is crying out to the Lord. He gets swallowed up by a great fish. I've never been inside of one, so I would not know what it looked like or how it went, but I could not imagine it being very pleasant. I could not imagine it smelling very well or feeling very well. But then he goes, then we read that the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah up onto dry land. So here's what I want to pose to you. Could it be that what Jonah viewed as trouble, God viewed as a means of transportation? So Jonah is swallowed by a great fish. And he is in this great moment of distress, and he is crying out to the Lord, and he is fearing of his die, uh, fearing of his death. I mean, he's literally hit rock bottom of the sea, and there is no other direction to go but up because he could not get any lower. The only thing that could happen to Jonah's life at this point that would be even worse in one way would be to actually die of drowning. And here he is; he's getting swallowed up by a great fish. So. I just posed the question, could it be that you and I, if we are not careful, we can view things that we go through, seasons of our life, or pruning moments that God is trying to prune us in or to remove us from situations that, though they could be painful. So here I made a list of some troubling times that you and I could view one way and God could view completely different. Could the fractured relationship that you're experiencing, that you've tried to mend, but it's just not. Could it actually be a moment in time that God is using to lead you to more spiritually minded, godly people? Could there be people that you love dearly and you have tried to fix it all together, but could it actually be a means of transportation of, or God leading you to more godly Christian people? And you say, well, I love them and they love me. Yeah, but it's toxic and it's ungodly and they're leading you down the wrong path. So could it be that God is pruning you in this season? So the fractured relationship that you've tried them in and you've exhausted everything, could it actually be a means of God transporting you or leading you to more godly people? The next one, could the layoff or the pay cut or the hours being cut be a time that God is using to strengthen your faith in him as provider and also allowing you time to evaluate your love for both money and possession? It's troubling. Hours are cut. Money isn't a surplus. You know, sufficient. It's not coming in by the surplus. Could it actually be a time where God could be using it? Not that God wants to see you miserable or not that God wants to see you struggle, but could this troubling time be a time that God is using to evaluate for uh, allowing you to evaluate your own love for money or your own love for possession? Could the sickness 
be a time in which God is using to strengthen your trust in Him. And to know that anything that this world brings, sickness or even death, does not pale in comparison to the glory that will be revealed to us one day. Could these things be viewed differently by the Lord than it is viewed different than it is viewed by us as earthly people sometimes struggling with our flesh and looking at things through a lens of our own flesh? Lastly, could the brokenhearted season you find yourself in right now be a time that God is using to draw you to find that your sufficiency and sustainability in this life and your joy and peace is offered to freely offered to you freely by Him? Could it be? Could there be things that you and I are walking through right now or could there be seasons of our life that we're going to, to walk into one day that we view as troubling times or we view as moments of distress or pain or suffering that God is actually using because the Apostle Paul wrote that God uses all things and he works all things together for what? For our good. Not just the good things, but the bad things. Not just the enjoyable moments, but also the painful moments. Not just the moments where it's blue skies and sun shining on us, but also the seasons of life where it just continues to rain and rain. And when it rains, it pours. Have you ever been through a season where when it rained, it poured? Could it be that God was actually using that rainy season to prevent or to prepare you for moments of your life later that it wouldn't be in as, as much rain, it might be a little drought in your life, but there's moments that God could use that we could view differently than he does. So whenever you read this story, you see a parallel, and we mentioned the prodigal son, uh, I think maybe the first two weeks or at least last week. The prodigal son found himself in the moment of distress and he comes back home and he calls out to his, his father and his father what? Through a party, welcomed him home and embraced him with his love and his mercy and grace. Just like Jonah, he finds himself literally in the, in the brink of death and he calls out to his father. And what happens? His father in heaven hears his cry and he saves him. And then he sees, and then we see the rest of the story as the Lord calls, uh, calls Jonah again to go to Nineveh and Jonah, and go, Jonah goes, wouldn't you go? I mean, if I just got swallowed by a fish and vomited on the dry land, Lord, whatever you say, I am going. Wherever you tell me to go, I'm going. Whatever you, you say to speak, I will speak. But we see Jonah in this moment of trouble that God views as a moment of transportation. We see Jonah hitting literally physically rock bottom of the sea, calling out, fearful of even death at this moment. And he calls out to the Lord. And I would say that if there's people in here, I would imagine that there are people in here or people that listen to this online or people that you know that aren't here that could relate to this. People that are here right now could find themselves being very relatable to Jonah. You find yourself at complete rock bottom. You feel as if there's no point of even moving forward. You feel as if everything's spiraling out of control. You feel as if the weight of the world is almost like the water's closing in over you and all of the stress of life and all of the stress of money and all of the stress of the relationships and all of the stress of the pain and all of the, all of your past. Like, like Bill was just saying, you're remembering all of your mistakes and all of these things that just continue to come and they close in over you and you find yourself at rock bottom. And this is where Jonah was when the fish came 
This could be where you find yourself, but I want to encourage you today because it is at this moment that you could find the Lord transporting you or leading you elsewhere. Whenever we read this part of Jonah's life, again, this is a recollection of his story, of his life, his journey after he had gone and he had preached to the Ninevites and they all repented and, and he had his little miserable temper tantrum, you know, fit outside of the city with the, with the worm and the bush and all of that happened. And then Jonah is writing this story. Jonah is remembering being in this season, but now he is looking back and he is looking at this point of his life and saying, what I saw as trouble, God saw as transportation. What I saw as rock bottom, God saw as if there was only one direction to go and it was up. What I saw as pain and suffering, God saw as opportunity. So I wrote some things that you and I could see some things that you and I might view others in, and that God may be looking differently. So you and I could be the people that look at the other 99 sheep that seem to have their lives all together and everything's going well, and when you and I feel as we are the one, the one that has everything spiraling out of control, the one that seems like God has turned his back, the one that people have outcast, so you and I might see the other 99 that have everything together and life is going great for them, but God could see the one. The one that is lost, the one that is hurting, the one that is struggling. And he doesn't see us as if we are outcasts, but he sees us as if he is tracking us down to put us over his shoulder and to carry us home. So you could see everybody else as if they have everything together. We could see moments of life that seem impossible and God views as no big deal. We could see times of our life where there is no hope where we feel helpless and hopeless, and God sees something completely different. We could see moments where we are completely broken, and as if our life was to be a shattered glass all over the floor, and God could see a beautiful picture being pieced together. What is it in your life that you see, and and you worry about, and you view as so painful or suffering? We could see ourselves as the prodigal child as the one that has went out and done their own thing and there's no way we could return home and God sees us as his son or daughter. Could it be that you and I are seeing things differently than the Lord? Therefore, whenever we view things differently through our earthly, temporal, self-centered lenses, it could prevent us from actually finding the joy of the journey that the Lord is guiding us through. We could see the mountains and God could see a farther, longer walk with us. We could see the valley lows and God could see the beauty and the vegetation and the fruit that we would be able to see as we navigate through it. So could it be, you know, so as I was reading this, I think of the the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul. And I'm not saying that you should compare yourself to the Apostle Paul because we all fall short in that. But Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter one, and he says this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What has happened to me? What's happened to you, Paul? So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. He goes on to write, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. 
He goes on to say, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my prisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. He's writing this as he's in prison for the sake of the gospel. He goes on to say, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ that will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope, that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. The Apostle Paul is writing to a group of people that have come to faith alongside of his preaching. And he has built them up and they have endorsed him and they have sponsored his journeys and they've given to him. And he writes to them and he says that it is actually good that I'm here. You might hear some people say that every shift change of the Roman guards in his imprisonment, Paul, who could have been miserable, actually viewed it as an opportunity for ministry. So every new prison guard that would come and serve their shift would actually have to listen to Paul for 10, 12 hours, preach to them the good news of Jesus. So while Paul is in chains for the sake of the gospel... He is still preaching the gospel to others because he views this suffering not through the lens of, oh, woe is me, and I am so miserable, and I have to suffer through all of these things, but he views it as an opportunity that God is able to use even this for his good. So you and I may not be imprisoned for the gospel, but I would imagine you and I will face obstacles in our life, whether it be relationally, whether it be financially, whether it be emotionally, whether it be spiritually, you and I will face obstacles. My prayer is that you will no longer view them as obstacles that you have to overcome or obstacles that may be too big. But my prayer is that you and I would view them as opportunities for God's work to be done, for his will to be done, for his grace and his mercy to be lavished upon us. We live in a society where you might hear Well, the world's going to hell in a (laughs) handbasket. Have you ever heard it? You've probably heard it a lot recently. Especially around election time, you'll hear it all the time. If things don't go other people's way or their way, they'll say, but could it be that we live in a society that was built upon Christian morals and principles that seems to be wavering further and further away? And we could be, if not careful, could be people that just say, well, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Instead, could the Lord be viewing this as an opportunity to draw his people to humble themselves and to seek his name and to cry out to him in prayer so that he would actually restore our land? Could it be a time where God is wanting to empower and rise the church to new heights to preach the gospel to the world and not be moving based off this political opponent or this political view or this agenda? Could it be a time where God is viewing it completely different? And I use that as a big illustration, but there are things in your life that if you were to actually look at through the lens of the Lord, you would view differently. You would stop... You know, I'm not saying that it's bad to cry in our sufferings, but you would start viewing things as the Apostle Paul. Maybe it's actually good that we navigate this season so that the Lord can be glorified and so that the Lord may do a work. 
Because here's what happens. If we're not careful, the toxic relationships that the Lord may be trying to prune us from and pull us from will actually rob us of joy for the rest of our lives because we're good for a few weeks and then we're bitter. And they're mad and then I'm mad and then nobody gets along and then we're trying to restore all of these things that the Lord is actually trying to pull you from so you can experience the beauty and the love and the joy of life with new people. Could it be that, as I mentioned earlier, the hours being cut could be a time that instead of being, well, I don't know how I'm going to live, I'm going to have to sell the side-by-side and the boat and the trailer and the second home and the lake condo and all of these things, could it be that the Lord is using that as a means to evaluate the love that you have for money or possession? Could it be that the suffering you are enduring physically could be a time where God is trying to draw you to believe and to trust fully in him. Could there be seasons of our life that we view as trouble, that God views as transportation to take us into a deeper faith, stronger trust in him, to new people, or even a completely new direction? It's just a question. Could it be that you and I view things through an earthly, temporal, selfish lens because what happens when we do so is woe is us, It's always happening to me. Why is my life so miserable? Why am I always so broken? Why do we have no money? Why is everybody turning their back or abandoning me? Instead, could we leave here today beginning to view the seasons of life that aren't always feeling as good as the others as a time that God is actually using for our good? I will tell you this, that just because you are a Christian... Never in the scriptures are you promised health and wealth and prosperity in all we do. In fact, you would you could make a defense for the exact opposite. That for the sake of the gospel, there are going to be seasons in your life where it is going to be painful. There are going to be seasons in your life where it is going to be miserable at times. But could that be a time where God is drawing you to use you and to empower you to do different things in different ways knowing that he doesn't have just an earthly purpose for you, but there is an eternal purpose that you and I have to participate in. So could we view our homes? Could we view our nation? Could we view our lives? Could we view our struggles? Just a little bit different. And could we leave here today truly viewing every obstacle or every mountain as an opportunity for the glory of the Lord to be seen? So whenever you read this story of Jonah, and whenever you read this prayer, again, this is after the fact. So maybe you're going through something right now, and you're, you're in that moment where you feel as if it couldn't get any worse. And it is really hurt, hurting you, and it is painful. Because if we were to be honest, we've all been through moments of pain. You can just raise your hand if you've ever suffered pain before. And I'm not just talking you, you walked and hit your pinky toe on the coffee table and then you jumped higher than you've ever done. I'm talking about literally suffered seasons of troubling times and pain. But guess what? If you've experienced them, you're here to testify on behalf of them. Even though it didn't feel good and maybe it still doesn't feel good, God is able to use it for your good to bring you closer to him, to make you a better reflection of himself. And could we view our lives right now in every way as a time in which the gospel of Jesus Christ could be preached? 
In a nation where we see it seems to be, you know, trying to shut out God more and more and more, could it be an opportunity that God is looking out and saying the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few? Could it be a time where God is drawing us as his church to maybe get off of our thumbs and on our knees, praying to him and pleading with him to change our hearts, to change our homes, to change our communities, and as a whole, change our nation? Could it be a time where you and I have an perfect opportunity instead of giving our opinions through a tweet or a facebook post could it be a time where we give people the word of the lord and the gospel message of jesus christ because we know that that is the only means of deliverance for us all could it be a time where god is drawing us to view things just a little bit different these troubling times could not could not just be trouble but they could truly be a transportation means that the lord is using to take us somewhere else Let's pray.